We've made it. We've we done it for it. a year. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary to us. Um, for those who don't know, I'm Kyle Jennings. I'm joined by my colleague, Melissa Lowe, and you're listening to Let's Talk Club Management, the CMAA podcast, and we're celebrating our year anniversary. It's yeah, very that exciting. Makes, that makes us our 13th episode. It's not unlucky, right? It is not unlucky. I think to make it through the first year. That we've done well. Absolutely. We have like five people who listen. We do, and we have like two reviews. It's really exciting. Come on. I feel very validated. Absolutely. <laughs> well, to uh, celebrate one year of having people want to listen to us voluntarily, um, which is amazing in and of itself, we thought we would do a short get-to-know-your-hosts segment. Um, You hear our voices every month, and you might know us a little bit, but we wanted to give you a brief insight into some of our favorite things. So, Melissa, I'm going to ask you, what are you currently watching listening to and reading okay so right now um the most recent thing i've watched is the call to courage from Brene brown on netflix if you're not familiar with Brene brown she is a uh, college professor who does research into failure and vulnerability she's a queen she is phenomenal, so I encourage people to um, to take a listen. It's a it's an hour long show on Netflix, but it's great and uh, really encapsulates. She's done TED talks. She's been on Oprah's Soulful Conversations. So she's written like she, four or five books. They're so good. Yeah, her books are great, and I'm a really big fan. So that's the most recent thing I've watched. I love it. Uh, let's see what I'm listening to. Um, I am discovered a real love for economics Uh, and certainly that kind of corresponds well with what I do with advocacy but I'm a huge fan of um, the planet money podcast that's a weekly one and then they also have a daily indicator where they take one number and explain it in about 10 minutes Um, so I'm a really big fan of that Um, I try to I listen to those on my commute in my car so uh, it makes the time pass uh, pretty fast and then um I am reading the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society, which is um, a interesting book of post-World War II, and it talks about um, the occupation of the Guernsey area during the war and how that affected um, those folks. It's, it's actually very interesting historical fiction, um, and I'm, I'm really enjoying that. I'm about halfway through that. Nice. Melissa just, she always has a good book recommendation, so I'm adding that to my list personally, and you probably all should too, just for fun. So Kyle, what are you watching and listening to and reading right now? Okay, well, I'm watching, obviously, Game of Thrones, because we (laughs) just had the penultimate episode last weekend, and the finale, series finale, is this coming week, and um, I'm glued to that show but in addition to game of thrones which honestly watching is like a workout because my heart rate is elevated for an hour and a half um more relaxing television (laughs) we've been watching uh i just watched wine country which is another netflix um 
movie uh, directed and produced by Amy Poehler, starring her and a bunch of her SNL uh, cohorts. But it's a fabulous, fun, silly uh, ode to female friendship and getting older, and it's delightful, and I loved it. And it has some of my favorite funny ladies in it. So that's probably the most recent thing I've watched. Um, listening to, I am a hardcore murderino, so I listen to every episode of My Favorite Murder podcast. Um, if you're into true crime or anything like that, I highly recommend it. It's true crime and comedy, um, which those are two things that don't sound like they should go together at all, but they do in a weird way. Um, and I've also been listening to Pod Save America, which uh, is a political-minded podcast, but it's good to keep up to speed on what's going on. Uh, now that I am no longer in the D.C. area, I like to still have my finger on the pulse of what's happening. Uh, and reading, I am about two-thirds of the way through The Fellowship of the Ring. Now, I've read all of the Lord of the Rings books multiple times before, but my husband hasn't, and he started reading them and then started asking me all these questions. And I felt like, okay, well, if you're going to read them, I need to read them again. So, because then I could answer the questions with greater detail. <laughs> so I'm rereading those books, and they're just as good the third or fourth time around. They age well. So that's what I'm up to. I'm a big and the dork. Books should be read more than once. Absolutely. I'm of the opinion that those books and Harry Potter, uh, you could read them infinite number of times and never get sick of them and always learn something new so that's that's what i've got so that's what you get from us <laughs> well it is our you know it is the unlucky 13 episode as we're going to call it but i think we are lucky because we have some phenomenal guests uh, to share with you and uh, first up is mitchell platt and we're going to talk about tenure and we're also going to talk about career bucket list which i think is a great topic for our industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mitchell had some really uh, interesting perspective on um, career path and things to consider when you are, you know, whether you're at the beginning of your career and you're just entering the club industry or you're a seasoned professional who may be in a position to make a transition. Um, some things to think about when, you, when you're going through that process. So listen up for that conversation. It'll be really great. Absolutely. And then we're going to talk about a very cool breakthrough, award-winning breakthrough idea uh, from Fiddler's Elbow Country Club in New Jersey. Yeah. So we've got a, a great episode ahead for you, and we are looking forward to having you share your thoughts. So without further ado, here is Mitchell Platt. Mitchell S. Platt, MCMCCE, is the general manager of the Cosmos Club in Washington, D.C. Mitchell has been serving as the general manager of the club since 2013. Prior to that, he served as the general manager at Woodholm Country Club in Pikesville, Maryland from 1993 to 2013. A member of CMA since 1992, Mitchell was just re-elected in February to his second three-year term on the C CMA Board of Directors and is currently the chairman of the Advocacy Committee. He attained his MCM in 2012 with the publication of the MCM monograph, Executive Tenure, Attributes of Club Manager Longevity, which was published in the International Journal of Hospitality and Tourism Administration. The NCM represents the highest level of achievement in CMA's professional development program. 
and to date, only 22 club managers worldwide have attained this hallmark of professionalism. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mitchell. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So talking about your NCM monograph, tell us what inspired you to pick the topic of executive tenure? Well, when I started the process of putting together the MCM and thinking about what was important to give back to the association, I thought about having been only worked at one club my entire life that I would study the successful attributes of people that can work in one place for a very long time. Uh, although I became general manager in 1993, I started the club as a busboy in 1983, so I was approaching 30 years of the club. Uh, and so it really was a time for me to go out and say, what, what is it that, that I have done, what have other people with long tenures have done to really be able to stick to a club for a long time? I thought sharing that information would be helpful to new young managers, other managers that were trying to figure out what is the best method. If, it's, they, if they find the right place and want to make, uh, make a, a full career out of, of not being in many clubs. Awesome. Go ahead, Melissa. <laughs> I was going to say, if, you know, if they, it's a rarity in our industry that someone stays at a club as long as you were at Woodholm. What do you think the attributes are necessary uh, to stay in one place for a long time? Well, I would say before even looking at the research and looking at the MCM and looking at what I found out through the through the process of doing the monograph is that. Yeah, you have to be a good culture fit, first of all. You have to, your, your culture has got to match the club's culture. You have to understand the club's culture, and you have to be happy at that particular club. I happened to work, I worked at a club that was in my, basically in my hometown, and I grew up in that same hometown, so I, I wasn't very familiar with the club because I was not a member. I never went to the club before I started working there, so I, I knew of it, didn't generally have stepped foot on the grounds. So it was kind of eye-opening for me as a young 16-year-old uh, turning 17 to, to learn about this whole new world that I really hadn't been exposed to. I had never really seen a golf course before. I would never really been um, at a country club before. So it, it really, um, I grew up there. I always tell people felt like I was, um, you know, the son that took over the family business when they finally promoted me to GM. And I felt just like a, it was a natural fit for me. So that's really um, number one. And, and through my the study of the MCM, I really found that um, through research and talking to other managers, that there's kind of two different kinds of attributes that are necessary to work at one club for a long time, and one is uh, the personal attributes, and um, and the other are functional attributes. And I can go into them um, each each of them if you'd like, and just list them and tell you a little bit about them if that if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be very interesting to hear you talk about sort of those two. Uh, tracks of attributes that are helpful. Okay. Um, so on the personal attributes, I think these are things that you, you must have, um, and they're basically down to communication skills, uh, which I think in any environment, communicating with the membership staff, vendors, all your, your greater community, I think it's important and key. Um, flexibility is something that is mandatory in the club environment. I say we're often putting out fires each day. And we, I never walk into work any day to this day and know exactly how my day is going to go. It's just not structured like that. So you have to be flexible in, 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 your, in, your, uh, in your leadership style. Um, leadership is another attribute. I mean, leadership is, some people say it's innate, some people say it's, it's learned. 
whatever it is, you have to have it because when you're ultimately a GM or, or in a role of uh, the lead executive of, of a club, you're going to get it from every angle. You're getting it from the members, from the staff, and from others that they need you to make a decision. So you have to be able to make decisions and be a leader. Uh, the other one I, that we mentioned earlier is just a good club culture fit. So that's a personal attribute, whether you match that club's personality and that club, you can adapt to it or they adapt to you, vice versa, but you have to be a good fit. Um, and lastly in, is, is passion. I mean, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, uh, then, you know, you're probably in the wrong line of work. I, I was, when I started looking for a job when I was 15 years old, I told I was passionate about food, so I asked my mother to take me up to the seafood restaurant and the grocery store. Um, she took me to both places, and the seafood restaurant offered me the job on the spot, and I took it. So I, and I knew I always wanted to work around food. Uh, then I was a, was a busboy in a bar back for a, a little while. I wanted to become a waiter, and I, they wouldn't let me do it because I wasn't old enough. So I went to the country club because they said at the country club they didn't really didn't really care about the liquor laws. So I was actually uh, moved into country clubs for that reason because I just really loved being around food. Um, I was passionate about it. I still am, and that passion still drives me. Although my role is much more involved than just food and beverage, it's really the the, the key um, passion that drove me in this business. So those are. Um, on the personal attributes side, on the functional attributes, and I think this is, and I'll start with maybe one of the most important, if not the most important, that's financial knowledge. And my 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 schooling when I uh, through my club management career was uh, non-traditional hospitality. It was I was an accounting major in college, um, and I switched to business management, um, and that's what I have my degree, and I also have an MBA. Um, and I think that has helped me um, steer through the financial challenges at, at, uh, at, through my last club and this club. And I think I'm not a CPA, and I'm not, uh, I don't consider myself a financial wizard, but I have to have the understanding and the knowledge of how to discuss financial terms, implications, anything in the boardroom I have to be on top of. And I think that's maybe one skill that managers, uh, new young managers are, are wary of, and, and they're right. It's something you have to learn, you have to spend a lot of time on. Second um, one is visibility. I mean, clubs want to see their leader. Uh, I don't, it doesn't matter what size. I know some clubs are the size of a town, and, and you're more the mayor, but, you know, people still like to see the mayor. <laughs> people want to see that you're there, and, you know, we had a conversation, had a conversation with one of my manager friends about working Easter this past um, this past Easter, and I I worked, um, and it's not because of, they need me here. I'm really probably of not much value to the food and beverage team, but it's something that I want the members to know that I value um, my job and value the service of their holiday, and I also want my staff to know that I'm going to be by their side uh, help and help in any way that I can while they're asking them to work while, while the members are celebrating. So that's second. Next is um, developing staff, and that doesn't mean just developing your managers. It means developing everybody from the ground level of the organization up. And not everybody wants to become a general manager of a club, but whatever they are doing for you at the club, you have to work on developing their skills and giving them the tools and the necessary skill set that they can improve themselves, both, I, I think, professionally and personally. Um, and along with that is teaching and coaching. It's the next uh, attribute. And it's something that, I mean, I do speak sometimes at university settings, and I really enjoy talking to students. And, you know, you really have to be interested in teaching and coaching and helping develop others. That's really a, a key a key attribute. And the last one under this is um, being organized. 
And if you look at my office and my desk right now, you'd say, how kind of, that's not an organized person. There's stuff all over the place. But everybody works different ways. It's not necessarily being organized. It's being organized in your work. And in, in knowing when you tell a member or a staff person that you're going to do something that they trust is going to be done, um, you know, under-promise, over-deliver, that whole mentality is you really got to be able to be organized so you can accomplish your task and get things done. And all those attributes are centered with one um, one really main item, and that's integrity and honesty. Without that, none of the attributes work. Um, so that's really the center of the model. Um, and if I had other, one other item to say on, on this skill set is probably a vision. I mean, every manager should have a vision for what their club should be and is and, and will be one day. It should be shared vision, and it should be something that is uh, you know, achievable and it should be something to, to move towards. I don't think we should ever come into work and say, well, this club has always been this way and that's the way it's going to be and I'm just here as a, as a caretaker. I don't think that's uh, responsible. So that's a very long answer to a very short question, but it was a very long study that got me to that, 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 that answer. Definitely. Um, I was reading through the monograph today in preparation for our conversation. Um, one of the things that struck me as interesting was the conversation around the advantages and disadvantages to like this executive tenure that you're talking about. Can you go into a little bit more detail about what are some of the advantages of staying in a position for a long time and perhaps some of the disadvantages? So someone who is maybe at that point in their career where they're looking at well, I could stay at this club for a long time, or maybe it's time for me to move on. What are some of the pros and cons of that? Right. Well, it's interesting in that when I started this study and I started the MCM process, I had no intention of ever leaving my club. I mean, I wasn't looking, actively looking for a, a job. I wasn't um, looking to leave. And, and then I submitted a a bonograph and I get my MCM and not long after that I left the club <laughs> um, and I think what what really struck me through the study of this for this process is that it really forced me into a lot of self-reflection it really forced me to think about my career and you know I was I guess I'm, I'm six year at my club now so I'm 52 so I was in my late you know, mid to late 40s um, what could I see myself working another 20 years at that club and actually working at one place for 50 years? And I started, you know, looking at that um, and, and trying to think what what would be the advantages and disadvantages of. And I think, you know, and I, I see this, and I saw this in the course of the study, that, you know, the clear disadvantages um, of being at one place for a long time is, you know, number one is complacency. It can set in. It, it's uh, it, It's... That's what happens, and I think in a in a in a club manager's career, you're you're most effective in the earlier stages of a career because you have a honeymoon period. Sometimes it will last longer than others, and they really most of the time are going to give you a little a long rope and let you kind of explore and make mistakes. Um, but when you stick around for a long time and you've kind of developed your way, that's sometimes perceived as you become inflexible. And the, you know, the members say, well, he's, you, know, you, you can't get that by Mitchell. He's not going to change or he's not going to do that. Um, and unfortunately, in clubs, you know, I, I, this is the reality of it. You do accumulate enemies uh, you know, within the ranks of the membership. And it may be as simple as you, you couldn't get them a table at Mother's Day brunch and they never forgave you for it. It might be because you had to be involved in a disciplinary situation with one of their children. 
and the child now is on the board, that same child, because you've been in one place for a long time, and the same person you had, had to correct one day is now sitting on the board and determining whether the GM gets contract gets renewed. Um, and, you know, I guess a couple other disadvantages, you, you get comfortable and you're, you're not as stretched and you start to think about it, if I've done anything I can do and what else is there. Um, of course, the advantages of staying, staying around a long time is, I, you know, the knowledge of the membership. I knew every single member. I knew their kids, their grandkids, their distant relatives. I really knew every single person. And because I was in one club for so long, I knew all the other clubs in the area, all their members. I knew who was from what club. I, I really had just developed such a strong sense of knowledge of, of the club. Um, and, you know, you do gain trust, you know, even though um, you, you may be perceived as inflexible members and, and the club, they start to trust you the longer you're at a club, and they, again, they will they will leave more on your plate, typically. Um, I guess another advantage would be the knowledge of the club culture and kind of, you know, it takes, um, in, in um, conversations with other GMs, the, the, the number of years it takes to learn the culture of a club, I've heard anywhere from three to seven years to really figure out the culture of a club, and I think that's probably right. I'd say when I came to Cosmos Club, it took me a year to figure the club out and another year to figure out the culture. And I think it took me a little bit more than two years to kind of understand the culture and get a deep knowledge of it. Um, and then, of course, other advantages is developing staff and this, the whole notion of stability. When you have stability within the leadership of the club, I think it's good for the club. And you see far too many clubs that are, are, are um, going through many, many different managers and different levels of the organization. It just doesn't seem stable. And members like to feel a sense of stability when they walk in the club and like to be recognized. And that's one of the biggest challenges of change, turning over management, turning, turning over employees. So um, those are the basic advantages and disadvantages. I would say that when I did my MCM, I did some self-reflection. I asked myself a lot of questions, and uh, it led me to, to do, develop a career bucket list and, and and think of things that I wanted to achieve in my career before I before I retired, which is a long way off as a kid in college and one soon to be in college, so I've been <laughs> for a long time. But um, it's I think it's also helpful to develop that career bucket list when you get to that stage in, in your career to say, did, are you have you done everything that you want to do? Is there something else out out there? So uh, uh, I would say that MCM or not, writing and talking about it or not, it's really important for some self reflection. Um, once you're in, you're in the career and in the in the management mode, you got to sit back and and determine things. And that's what, uh, at least in my case, MCM helped me do that a lot. I love that idea of having a career bucket list, and I think as as important as something like that is for someone who may be at that sort of transition point in their career, I think it may also be useful for somebody who's starting in the industry. Um, and one of the other questions that we had for you is like, what advice would you give to first timers who are just entering the, the management space and the club industry and, and looking down a long, hopefully career in their future? Yeah, I would say um, the, uh, the advice I always give to when I talk to students is, and it's a simple advice, um, before you do anything, Go work at go work at a club, not just an internship, but go work at a club. Go work in the banquet department. Go work in the golf shop, the tennis shop. Go, you know, learn the inside maneuverings of the business. You know, I hear a lot of people say they want to be event planners. Is that really? Is, is it because it's because it's it's 
a sexy thing on TV that you see event planning or you see it on advertising, you see magazines about it. Do you really want to be event? Do you really want to be a good event planner and work Saturday night till two, three o'clock in the morning, and then come back the next morning for the Sunday brunch at nine a.m.? I mean, that's what the, the core of this business is: is really um, hard, difficult work. And it's not, you know, I always tell people we're not a traditional business. We work when other people play, and you've got to commit yourself to wanting to do that. You have to commit yourself to hard work and sometimes physically demanding work. I think it's important for people to understand that they like the business. Is it, and I, I'm not telling people to be driven by the food as I was. You can be driven by golf, you can be driven by accounting, you can be driven by human resources. Something has to have, you have to be passionate about to be in this industry. And that could be the driver for your career and to help you elevate to a position of, of general manager if that's what you so choose. Um, when I sat down and developed my career bucket list, it really wasn't that you know, I, I felt so good about what I had done at, at one home. I wasn't looking to, you know, it wasn't a 20-page bucket list. It was really three items. I always wanted to work in a, in a major urban center. I, I always worked in the county, in Baltimore County, where I grew up. I never worked in the city. I always wanted to walk outside of work and walk to a Starbucks and walk to a restaurant. It's just something I always wanted to do. I was jealous of the people, my friends that became lawyers, and, and they worked downtown, they walked out and had lunch with their friends. I just was jealous all the time. Of course, I walk outside and see a golf course, which they didn't have, but it was just different. Um, so I always wanted to work in a major metropolitan city. Um, I, I love hotels, and I always tell people if I wasn't a club manager, I'd probably be a hotel manager. Um, so I always wanted to work in a hotel. And uh, my other thing that I wanted is I'm passionate about the private club industry. Um, so when I was looking for work uh, and Cosmos Club became um, an opportunity, it hit all three of those items. It's in a major in Washington, D.C., a thriving metropolitan city. It's, uh, it's got a hotel, 50 hotel rooms, uh, and it, it answers my passions for private clubs. So, you know, it's a simple list. I, you know, if people say a career bucket list, I think you know, your, your, your personal bucket list can be 20, 30, 40, 50 items, but your career bucket list especially at my advanced age, didn't have to be a whole lot. Um, and, and I found a place that was important to me. And, and some people can say geography is the most important thing, and they want to be in Colorado, or they want to be in the West Coast. That could be their career bucket list, and that's something worth shooting for. So I think even at a young stage of your career, you should develop that career bucket list, and it might be a lot longer than mine because um, you haven't experienced um, you know, a lengthy career at this point. But it's it really is, you know, we, I say we only go through this thing once. We should, <laughs> we should, enjoy, it. We should enjoy it while we're here, and, and I think that's not just um, professionally, it's personally, and I think you should really try to make sure that, uh, that, that you can get that done. Mitchell, you have a great passion for the industry. What do you tell people? Why clubs? Why not hotels? You certainly have, uh, you know, experience working in restaurants as well. What, why clubs? Well, I think the one distinguishing factor, and it's always been important to me, is that clubs really allow you to build a relationship with your with the people that you serve. Now, sure, you can be in a high-end hotel and you may have some of the same visitors um, that come back. You may be in a restaurant that caters to a, a local crowd that is, is frequent visitors, but you're in a transient business when you're in hotels and restaurants. You really don't know your ultimately your customer. When someone walks into the Cosmos Club, if they're a member, they've been vetted by the admissions process of the Cosmos Club. 
they've been oriented in the club culture and the club rules and the club guidelines. And we put them in our computer system. Now we start gaining knowledge and learn about their likes and dislikes. And look, let me tell you, this goes both ways. There are difficult members at every club. But when they walk in the door, I know who they are. And that's a, that's a benefit. And every member needs to be treated differently as far as their expectation and how they want, you know, and how they want to be served and, and how, you know, some people like the servers to be friendly and jovial. Some people want to read a book and don't want to be bothered. But when, you, when, you add a, when you're at a club, you get to learn that about people. And you also get to build relationships through family, lifestyle, events. It's just, you know, I had a member tell me today that um, this is a, you know, club's been around since 1878. And she is one of the first female members. The club did not admit women to the club until 1988. Um, so the first 110 years of the club's history was a men's club. Uh, her mother was a well, pretty well-known in her field of nuclear energy, and, and at that time it was amazing that a, a woman had accomplished what she had. But her whole life she had entered, her mother had entered the Cosmos Club through the side entrance. She wasn't allowed to walk in the front door. So she remembers the first time she brought her mother to the club um, as as uh, as she walked in the front door and she sat on the big comfy chair up front and the mother started crying and she said, what's wrong? She said, I never thought I'd walk through the front door of the club and my daughter would be a member here. So, you know, you don't, I don't know if you get those kind of stories at, at a restaurant or a hotel. I just think it's, it's, it's an, it, there's an emotional connection and attachment to clubs that are different. And, you know, they've been around a long time. I, I always also like to, to tell people that Find me another business model that's been around as long as private clubs. They're out there, I know. There's probably universities and there's probably hospitals and there's probably you know, different schools, but not many American businesses have been around. In the case of my club, we're in 141st year. And really, my club has been through world wars, through great depressions, recessions, um, uh, the battle to admit women, it's been through other battles. It, these clubs do stand the test of time, and they, they create a very... I want to say safe haven, they create a neighborhood, a community. They really are, in my estimation, a special place to work. Um, and I, that's why even on the bad days, I am always really fortunate and blessed to walk into a private club to go to work. So I just, it's been my career, and I, I don't envision anything else. I couldn't envision doing it over a, a club, a, a hotel or a restaurant over a club. I just think it's, it's the best place to be in hospitality. <laughs> that's awesome. I say that's awesome. I, I love your response. I think that's that's it's a perfect response to Y Club. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your perspective and helping to bring your monograph to life. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for, your, for the invitation. It was nice chatting with both of you. Awesome. We're very excited today to have Michael Nerges, the clubhouse manager for Fiddler's Elbow Country Club up in lovely New Jersey joining us today. Um, Michael has uh, been with the club um, for a number of years, but prior to that, he was the clubhouse manager at the Tuxedo Club in Tuxedo Park, New York. Or, I'm sorry, yes, New York, but New Jersey. Uh, prior to that, he was a general manager at Pier A Harbor House in Battery Park, New York, which he had the privilege of opening. And his earlier career includes F&B manager at Rumson Country Club and restaurant manager at the Cornerstone in Hillsdale, New Jersey. He is a graduate of Fairleigh Dickinson University in with a Bachelor of Science in Hotel, Restaurant, and Tourism Management. Awesome. Well, we're very excited to talk to you about your award-winning idea fair entry. Thank you. 
in the breakthrough ideas category. And, and first, I have to give you um, major props because in our research today, we obviously went to Fiddler's uh, website, and you guys have an amazing management page. I just want to give you a shout out. Because, <laughs> Thank you. Um, very rarely in our, you know, when we look at a lot of web pages for clubs. Do we actually see such a really well done? I love the videos. I love the, the bios. That's great. So, hands down, that's great. You should enter that in the category because it's very well done, and it's, it must be great for your members to be able to easily um, find out about who all of you are. So that that's fabulous. So on to the idea fair, but I just had to give you kudos Thank you. for that because I love it. Um, so tell us about tell us about your club, and then tell us about the sign the barrel and roll the dice idea. It is. Super fun. So, um, so the, the club, the club is, um, wait, so is my voice going to be on a podcast right now? Yeah. It is. Yes, so it's not live. Recording. We're recording. Are we, are we <laughs> live on a podcast? Not like immediately live, but we will be. <laughs> it is not live. So we'll, uh, we'll take this, um, and we'll put it together, uh, with a couple of other interviews that we've done, um, okay. and to create the final product. So we'll edit out anything crazy, anything. Okay. That makes you feel better. <laughs> yeah. So if, and if you, if you want to stop, start again at any point, just take a deep no. breath, start again, and you're good. No, I'll be, I'll be quick. Okay. Um, so Fibber's a it's a private club, obviously, and um, throughout the past seven years, it kind of changed its model from being a full corporate club to um, what it is today, a full family-oriented um, club. So we like to offer really awesome experiences to our, to our membership from different amenities that we offer from our three golf courses, the pool complex, the brackets, paddle, uh, fitness. So we, we kind of really try to have it all. And seven years ago, none of it existed. It was just a corporate club. It was just golf. Um, not a lot of families, no club events. Just get them in, get them out for an outing, a few weddings a, a week. Uh, and now the whole model has changed to what most clubs are like when it's a family-driven private club. So we don't have a wedding now Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We just have them on Saturday so we can accommodate member um, events and golf events, other um, activities at the club. So the model definitely changed, which allows people like myself and the chef to really get creative with what we do. So a lot of our idea fairs come from our creativity and trying to think outside the box of how we can get members excited to be at the club and, and utilize the club. And that's where um, the barrel age cocktail and uh, rolling the dice came through. So instead of coming to a golf outing and having just the bar at our golf outings and for especially for invitational, we barrel age your cocktail for about two or three weeks depending on the spirit, whether it's gin, bourbon, or rye. We have all the guests try this barrel-aged cocktail, and they initial or sign the barrel. And at the end of the event, we raffle off the barrel to, um, to whoever has the winning ticket. So they can go home with um, all the participants, a nice barrel, and everyone signed it, which is really, really cool. And the rolling the dice just to get members um, kind of introduced to different cocktails where usually they go up to a bar and they order a Manhattan or they order a gin and tonic. We want to introduce them to different flavor profiles, and we want our bartenders to have a, a an area to also get creative, so they're not just a banquet bartender, but they actually have creativity and more of a speakeasy feel. So with the roll the dice, um, every dice has a different spirit, and then another dice has a different mixer, another dice has a different garnish, 
another dice has like some syrups and then uh, whatever the four dices um, are rolled, whatever comes out, that's the cocktail the guest is receiving. Of course, if something doesn't really match at all, the bartender will like, switch the dice or add a little bit of different flavors just to make that cocktail one of a kind. And that guest or member will really never find that cocktail anywhere else because it's made up as we go, depending on their, on their dice roll. So that's how we came up with uh, Sign the Barrel, Roll the Dice. Very fun. And how is it received by uh, your members and the guests at the golf outing? They love it. It's something unique. You don't see it anywhere else. Um, I have seen a few other clubs copy the idea, so that makes us proud. But, um, yeah, members, uh, they really get creative with um, trying different cocktails, and they sample the barrel I drink. Uh, it's fun to sign the barrel, and then they're all excited to um, wait it at the end of the weekend. If we're for Invitational Weekend, we, we had the barrel, and that was the most um, sought-after uh, item. So it, it took off more than I expected. <laughs> and, and then now, with, uh, since we started barreling the aged cocktails for events, we are now adding barrel-aged cocktails to our um, cocktail menu. That's so fun. So we're doing, a, we're doing a, a gin, we're doing a um, mezcal and bourbon, another rye, and another... Um, actual scotch very cool so we have four four spirits aging and then we mix them up uh, per order um, at the bar were there any implementation challenges to putting this together absolutely um, we, we, we are um, we, we are owned by one family so um, they get involved and our bartenders gets involved and then I get involved and um, all of us coming together and really agreeing on which of the four cocktails it should be and how should we age them. It's kind of a lot of ideas thrown back back and forth which makes the product better but that's part of the um, research and development of the program. So it took us a few weeks to kind of understand it and get it down to a science and still not down to a science but um, we try to improve every, every batch. <laughs> Were there any unexpected outcomes or unintended consequences from the idea? Uh, all positives. Yeah. I think um, I think adding uh, the the barrel aged cocktails or, and spirits to your menu is a pretty like maybe not intended consequence but a cool outcome. Very cool outcome. Yeah, members like to try them. They want to sample the different spirits. Um, it, it's really really unique. And it's a good conversational piece as well for the bartenders. Yeah, definitely. We, we all of our cocktail menus since I've um, since I've been here, they have a theme. So on our first, my first season, we um, were called Fiddler's Elbow. So the cocktail menu really was based around the instrument called the fiddle. <laughs> so cool. the first The first page had um, a fun take on cocktails because um, anyone playing the fiddles has some fun. The next page had a classic take on cocktail and a picture of a violin because mm -hmm. anyone playing the violin is more classical. And then the third page had um, the electric violin for a future take on cocktails. Oh, that's very so, smart. You know, like smoked stuff and just kind of, and it gave like a little reading material for what, when electric violin was created or who played the fiddle and, or what president played the fiddle, just like reading material. So it was really, really creative. And then the following season, the cocktail menu was based on our three golf courses. Um, we do have 54 holes. So we have the meadow course, forest course, and the river course. And the, 
three pages on the cocktail menu really describe the three courses, when they were built, who, who was the designer, um, just kind of like fun reading material. So when you're at the bar, you're not just looking at a menu of 12 cocktails, but you're looking at a menu of six pages, good reading materials with 12 cocktails within the pages. And each page has a theme. And now that we're, we're actually working on it, right when you called, I was, we're working on the last few drinks. Um, it's the history of the clubhouse, of the property. So it used to be a dairy farm uh, before it was a private club and had a peach tree farm. Uh, the Mosley residents owned it and um, just a little information about the, about the family and how the Kennedys used to play in a certain room. Ronald Reagan was here at one point, so there's a little piece about him. It just gives you the history of the property before it became what it is today in, in Somerset County. So all the pages have um, like a historical feel on it. It's um, the, the view of the image of it as a typewriter, so it feels like you're going back in time. And it just it gives, a, gives a nice little conversation piece, or if you're a guest, um, something neat to read when you're ordering a cocktail at the bar. And our next menu, if you're wondering, for next <laughs> one, 2020, it's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm stuck between doing it um, for all the renovations and projects we've done in the past seven years, which will give members a little information of when the pool was built and how it was built or when the clubhouse was renovated or whatnot. Or I might do it for um, about three employees who have been here for over 30 years. Oh, that's really cool. I, th I think I like the employees one more. I kind of thought about that the other day. Yeah. I'm getting ready with the 2019 menu where it's almost done with the history of the clubhouse. I'm thinking for 2020. And um, I think the three employees would really, really be cool. Yeah, definitely. That's a cool way to celebrate them in their tenure, for sure. Right. So um, we'll have, like, the Eddie Page who does the shoes and then Roseanne who um, was in the grill room downstairs and Grace at the front desk and they've all been here for 30 years and just kind of, like, history about them, how many kids they have, how long they've been here, yeah. whatever they like. Yeah. And then, you know, have, like, four cocktails for each of them. So that's, I think that'll be my next next one. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of our little beverage program. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, think we, you gave us, I think you just gave us, like, 25 idea there. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we do some neat things. We also have our own um, proprietary gin. You can only find it at Fiddler's Elbow. And we, we spelled it out, Fiddler's Gin with G-H-I-N for the Golfer's Handicap Index. <laughs> that's cool. We have um, our proprietary beer. We had a brewery wanting us to carry their beer, and they're local. So I said, can you... Can you um, produce kegs just for Fiddler's Elbow, don't sell it anywhere else, and we'll, we'll keep the volume going. And it's called Fiddler's Elbrew. <laughs> so, and even with that, we had a, we had a comp competition for employees to come up with names and logos and whatnot, so that was cute for them to kind of submit their ideas. But yeah, we're trying to um, think outside the box and provide an awesome experience in every way we can, not in just food and beverage, but in every outlet at the club. Nice. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing with us. I was going to yeah. say, I have a feeling we're going to be calling you again. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. We have a lot of ideas. One thing that allows us is we, we are owned by one family, so when we have an idea, let's just go with it instead of having boards and committees and, you know, budgets to be approved. That that would really put a damper on on my uh, creativity. <laughs> <laughs> <But> creativity. <laughs> or the will to get it done. For sure. <laughs> Definitely both. Well, thank you so much, Michael. We really appreciate it, and we My definitely pleasure. will look forward to having you on 
uh, as a guest again. Yeah, thank you so much. So now it's time for the news and notes portion of our show. We're very excited that this episode was brought to you today by the Club Resource Center. Kyle, I know one of the issues that clubs struggle with, especially as they have an influx of seasonal employees, is that staff training um, area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have new folks coming on board for the summer season and, you know, maybe they're not really keyed into the rules and regulations um, at your club. Uh, But fortunately, CMAA has been working to enhance our Club Resource Center. And if you're not familiar with what the Club Resource Center is, it's a vast library of training tools for your staff. Um, And we have online courses as well as access to a lot of other CMAA resources there. What else do we have in there, Melissa? So not only do you get that growing list of staff training courses, but you also get exclusive access to CMA's annual surveys and downloadable day-to-day operational resources. So it's a great opportunity if you haven't had an opportunity to preview that, uh, to shoot an email to crc at cma.org and um, set up a time to have a quick demo. Yeah, that's crc at cmaa.org. You can schedule a 15-minute demo with Alexa, and she'll walk you through all of the things that CRC has to offer and tell you a little bit more about the benefits that it can give your club. Awesome. So other news here at CMA, the Capital Improvement Summit registration has opened. So this Woo-hoo. is the next in the series of uh, CMA's uh, additional educational programs in the format of a summit. Summit, And the inaugural event will be this October 15th through 17th in Chicago, Illinois. will be hosted at the University Club of Chicago um, and the Union League Club in Chicago. Uh, so the program will focus on construction management in clubs and the competencies a club management professional needs to complete a successful project, renovation, or deconstruction. Topics will be diverse and extensive and cover every aspect from start to finish. We do have to caution you that registration is limited to 60 attendees. Yes. So if you're interested in this program, uh, definitely register now. The communication summit that happened in March sold out well in advance. Oversold. And we ended up having to, we were able to add extra seats in that opportunity. We are not able to add extra seats in this one. So if you're interested in that, if your club's looking at, you know, a construction project, this is the place to be. Go ahead and, and register today. Um, speaking, also, speaking of summits, yeah, speaking of summits, uh, you may be familiar with our Governance and Leadership Summit, which was the inaugural summit, if I'm correct. Um, we've been doing those for a couple of years now. That has had a makeover of sorts. Can you tell us about that, Melissa? Sure. So those summits will now officially be called the Club Leadership Summits. Uh, the format has been shortened uh, to, to work better for, ske- for scheduling, and so they're really half-day programs. And this is an opportunity for a CMA member and a member of their board of directors, whether it's the club president incoming um, or outgoing, uh, or any member of the, the board of directors to attend collaborative education on best practices. Uh, it hits into club trends, best practices and governance, and really gives an all-around um, deep look at what clubs should be doing when it comes to governance. The next two offerings will be this fall, so coming up September 5th at Philadelphia Country Club in Gladwin, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and then the end of September on the 26th 
at Myers Park Country Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. So you can visit uh, cma.org backslash summits for more information on either the Capital um, Improvement Summit or the now titled Club Leadership Summit. Sounds like we've got a lot of good stuff going on. Summer is a busy time in clubs, and it might be, you know, maybe not your best opportunity, but we still have stuff going on that, that uh, is of value to you as a member. So, you know, keep your finger on the pulse of, of what might be available to you, and if you have a, some time to get away, take a look. Absolutely. Plan ahead for fall. For sure. For sure. Do we have any other announcements, Melissa? I think that's it. All right. Well, um, I think that kind of wraps us up for this month. Um, we had two great interviews, a little chit-chat, but I think all in all, this was a successful 13th episode celebrating our one-year anniversary of podcast success. Absolutely nothing unlucky about our podcast this month. So Not thank at all. you so much to everybody for listening, and we love hearing your feedback and ideas for future episodes, so please reach out if you have a suggestion or a topic for a guest. Absolutely. And don't forget, you know, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. We always post the most up-to-date episode on our website. But remember to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And I think that's everything. So that's that's all. I'm Kyle Jennings. I'm Alyssa Lowe. We'll talk to you next month. Bye. Bye.